called into life to be a king. So this morning we worship and allowing us to worship the King of Kings. Pray in some small way and listen to Lord Jesus, holy precious name, pray. Today, like, you know, it's like a crazy pastor. You're probably right. I don't do this all the time. I'm a crier, admittedly. Sometimes, the Spirit of God overwhelms me. He just God challenges me. Sometimes it's in the middle of a worship service. Sometimes it's in the middle of a message. And it just breaks me, too. It just happens. So thankful that it does. And I don't care if I do that in front of all of you. I don't care if there's one person sitting out there or 40 million people sitting out there. I hope that that never changes anything about me and my relationship with God. Never, I never let that influence me. Um, all I'm called to do is to stand up here and deliver the Word of God to you and to try to lead you the best way I know how in the discipleship process. And I'll continue to do that in the best way I know how. I can't do it like some other preachers. I'm sorry. If you used to have another preacher or pastor or whatever, you used to do it a different way. You're like, you're not like him. And I would say, yeah, you're probably right. I'm not. I am definitely different. God has called me to be me. I don't know how to be somebody else. I've never been somebody else. All I've ever been is me. So I think I'll continue to be me because that's the only person I know how to be. Some people will try to critique me on my messages or whatever. You know, there's a million ways you can critique me and point fingers at me and tell me I'm doing something wrong. And I would just say, okay, well, I've you're welcome to come here, and you're welcome. I will try my best to love you the best way I know how, but I can't preach another way. I can't do things another way. All I know how to do is just be me and be the person God's called me to be. And that, that's you know, that's how a simple church came to be. It's just me trying my best to honor God. And God said, do this. And I said, what? And God said, do this. And I said, what? And God said, I said, do this. And I said, are you sure? Because I'm not real sure that you know what you're talking about, God. Uh, I'm thinking there may be a breakdown in communication. The line's not working. We've got a T1 that's down. Something. There's just, there's just something. The communication line is not coming through real clearly because I'm not real sure that that's what you want me to do. And God said, I want you to do this. It's called Simple Church. So I don't know how to do Simple Church. Really, done, never done Simple before. I really kind of ever know it's complicated. You want me to do simple, that's going to be tricky. <laughs> Seems kind of contrary, doesn't it? Like, simple is going to be harder. Yeah, simple is way harder than complicated. Complicated, man, it go anywhere if I'm complicated. But what's funny is, I had a friend of mine tell me, he said, you see, you know, everybody thinks they're simple, right? I said, what? He said, yeah. He said, he said all the other churches, they think they're simple. He said, they don't think they're complicated. He said, let me tell you about my church. And he started telling me about the three different committees that him and his wife served on. And I was like, you're right. You guys you guys are not simple. And uh, he's like, yeah, you're right. We're not. But we think that we are. Um, so I, I've kind of felt impressed upon my heart to tell you guys the answer to this question. What is simple church? Well, that's a big question, right? So some of you have been coming here for a long time. And you know, like, in general, what we're all about, how we do things, and blah, blah, blah. But 
In reality, you may not know the core, the principles, kind of how we came to be. We've been here six months. In this building, we've been in here for six months. We've been praying for several months before that about the direction for Simple Church and what it would look like and all that kind of good stuff. There's a core team that was just meeting together and talking about what it was supposed to be and how things would be put into place. And I was sharing my vision, and they were giving me feedback and saying, man, you need to think about this. And we saw a church doing that and blah, blah, blah. So we kind of met and talked and all this kind of stuff. There's a lot of that that went on for a couple of months. And, and then we just started meeting here. We started worshiping Jesus. And uh, I didn't really want to have a long period of time. We talked about what Central Church would look like because that would make it complicated. Uh, if we if we were to sit there and talk about it, talk about it, talk about it, everybody's got an opinion. Everybody's got a way that things should be done. And eventually we might end up complicated before we even start a temperature. So that would be contrary to what we stood for. So what we decided to do was we're going to start this thing. We're going to start worshiping Jesus. And we're going to let Jesus take control. We're going to have the Holy Spirit to say, you're invited to do whatever you want to do in this place. Um, and we said, we're not going to start a youth group until the Holy Spirit leads us to start a youth group. So for several weeks, months, we met. We didn't have a youth group. It wasn't anything designated necessarily for youth. And then along came a, 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 a D-Now weekend, and we said, hey, we want to send a group there. So let's, let's get two kids together. That'll be like a kickoff for our youth group. And that's what we did. They had this D-Now countywide thing. D-Now stands for Disciple Now, where they just, the whole weekend, you're spent in people's homes just kind of talking about the Word of God. You go to worship services, all this kind of stuff. And God just said, now it's going to be the kickoff for your youth group. It's like, okay, great. That's wonderful, you know. And we were sitting in there, and uh, they were dismissing the different groups out of the auditorium or the, the sanctuary to go and, and go into the, the place where they were serving the meal. And it was so crazy. I had a very surreal moment there. We were sitting there. We were talking about Simple Church. And we were looking around. And how many kids we brought? And then all of a sudden, the guy up there at the front goes, Simple Church, are you guys still in the building? Okay, you guys can be dismissed to go and eat. I said, Simple Church? When? That's us. Like, they just called our name out. And we had a whole bunch of us, like 40 of us, stand up and like go out and go eat. I don't know why that was so surreal for me and why it was like a surprise, but it was like, we, we got a group and they got a name and people are together and they go and they go together and I was like, Simple Church. Now I just wonder what other people are thinking around, you know, like this name, Simple Church. I think it dude's crazy, you know, it's a crazy thing, dude. Like, he's doing this thing at an old grocery store and like, I just wonder sometimes, what are they thinking about, you know? When they stood up, I said, you know, they just walked out the door. Simple church. Simple church just walked out the door. And that was so just uplifting to my spirit. Just like, oh my God. We're a church. There's people, and they meet, and they love Jesus, and we worship, and like, it's a church. And some people were like, I, I want to know more about what Simple Church stands for. I want to know, you know, how do we do Simple Church? What are we supposed to do in Simple Church? Well, that question is pretty easy to answer. You know, a lot of people ask questions about membership and all that kind of stuff. And we're going to have members, and not necessarily be called members, and we'll talk about that at some point in the time in this series. But what are we supposed to do at Simple Church? What are we supposed to do? Well, they're written right here, in case you ever wonder. Reach, teach, serve. We said that we want Simple Church to be based on these three principles, these foundational principles. This is what we're going to do. Now, we're not going to do a whole bunch of other stuff, but we are going to do those three things. 
Now, if you notice something about those three things, it has very little to do with you, right? It has everything in the world with doing something for somebody else. But doing stuff for us, we're not really so much about that. Yes, indeed, teach is something that we want to do. But more than just us teach each other, we want to teach people outside of here what it means to be a disciple of Christ. That's why reach comes before teach. So if you reach and then you teach, it has less to do with you and more to do with everybody else. And serve. Serve. Yes, indeed. There will be times when we serve each other. There will somebody be in a the hospital. There will be somebody that had surgery. There will be somebody that's dying from cancer. And we will serve you and we will do our best to minister to you in every possible way that we know how. But for the most part, that's going to be done outside of this building. That's going to be us going to serve somebody else, to do something for somebody else. Simple church, we should have spelled simple without an I. If we could have, I would have done it, but it was, people would have been like, why is he missing an I? But we took the I out of simple church, and it's really about everybody else. It's really about the simple church going and doing something for somebody else and being about everybody else, and not necessarily about us. So there's a lot of churches out there that are all about themselves, not this place. Not this place. I don't ever want to be to become that. If it does, you'll have to find a new pastor because I won't be here. If we ever become inwardly focused and not outwardly focused, then, then I, I, I'm out. And God told me that, okay, here was this defining moment for Simple Church when I had to go and tell the pastor of the other church that I was a, a staff member at, when I had to go and tell him that I was leaving to go and start up a church. That was a nerve-wracking experience for me, right? So when I had to go and do that, it was tough. But what God convicted me with and what God put on my heart is this. The reason I told you to do this, the reason you're following my leadership, the reason you're doing what I told you to do, is one reason, and that's the lost people. That's the lost people. That's it. People who don't know Jesus, people who don't have a relationship with Jesus. People who think they have a relationship with Jesus, but really don't. They've been deceived for a long, long time. They've been telling themselves lies and telling everybody else lies, and they think they're really saved, but they're really not. Lost people. He said, that's the reason. God said, this is the reason you're going. It broke me in two. It had absolutely demolished me. And I just, I fell down at the altar right where I was. And I just prayed and I said, thank you, God. It's a high calling in my life. That's the reason we do this. This isn't for your experience in worship time. This isn't, this isn't so that, that, that you can uh, have good friends and good fellowship and donuts on Sunday morning. That's not what this is for. This is for lost people. This is for people that are followers of Jesus Christ to be able to reach out and make more followers of Jesus Christ. That's why we're here. There's no other reason. That's why it's number one is to reach. That's what we're to do. The followers of Jesus Christ are supposed to reach people that, that don't know Jesus Christ and tell them about Christ. Tell them that God loves them and wants a relationship with them. And there's no other way that you can spend eternity with him except for the Son Jesus Christ. And that's what we're here for. That's why we do this. What is Simple Church all about? It begins with the very first word, which is reach. And there's, look, there's a ton of people out there that are hurting. There's a ton of people out there that are just at rock bottom. I mean, they're at the lowest, lowest, lowest point of their lives. And man, they need somebody to tell them that they are loved and they are cared for. And there's a God out there that knows every single tear that they shed and every single hair on their head and how they were knit together in their mother's womb by Him and His hands. And these people need to hear that. You need to hear the gospel, which is good news. They need to hear the fact that God loves them. 
Some people think that they're stuck. They're stuck right where they are, and there's no way they're going to get out. There's no way they're going to be able to move from this place that they are, and it's a desperate place where they are. And they think there's no way out, man. I'm just stuck here. Our, our job is to reach those people and tell them they're not stuck. They're not in this lonely, empty place where they have to stay. They can be pulled out of there by a loving God who wants to rescue them and desperately care for them. That's it. That's it. Everybody's heard the verse. Come unto me, all you who labor, weary, heavy laden, burdened. Come unto me, and I will give you rest. Right? We're going to talk about that in Matthew chapter 11 today. We're going to talk about, what does that really mean? You think that Jesus really meant, when he said this, he really meant that, I know that, that your financial situation is not really good right now, but if you come to me, we'll rectify that, and we'll get your finances straightened out, and you'll be able to, you'll be able to, to pay your bills. you think Jesus meant that? Or do you think that Jesus meant that if you come unto him, that your broken relationships will be will be mended and everything will be good and you'll never have any struggles against your wife, your sister, your brother, your child, your grandmother, your grand aunt, great grand uncle. You'll never have any problems like that if you just come unto me. I'll make all this right and I'll rectify here on this earth and then and then things will be good. You'll get rest because I'll give you rest because I'll make everything right in your life and your child will never die, die from cancer and and. and, and and you'll never have any broken relationships, and you'll never have any friends stabbing in the back. You think that that's what Jesus really meant? Of course he didn't mean that. Of course he didn't mean that. We see people all the time that love Jesus and love him desperately and have bad stuff, man, come into their lives and rock their world. They feel alone and they feel desperate and they feel like they're just, oh, I mean, just sometimes they just feel like, oh. The good news of this gospel. But then he's just got, the good news about God, see, we're very short-sighted in the way we see things. We don't see things in the next 20 minutes, or we can see, you know, what's going to happen in the next two years, or what's going to happen just down the road or around the corner. God looks so much further than that. God looks so much beyond just your current troubles and your difficulties to look at all of eternity and say, what does this person need? What does this person desperately need in their life more than just being healed of this affliction or relationships being mended? What do they really need? And that's the question we often overlook. We're so worried about what's down the road two miles that we're not looking 160,000 miles down the road like God is. We're too short-sighted in the things that we think that we need. When Jesus says, man, you, you, you labor." You're burdened, and the world is crushing you. Come to me, and I will give you rest. It's not often, it's, it's not the kind of rest that we can have. See, I, I got a firsthand experience with rest this, this weekend. I know, because some of you have already touched me. Uh, I've had a rough week at work. Okay? Just say that I've had a rough week at work. Uh, I've had. Some employees of mine be gone, and I kind of had to take up some slack, and I had the vice president come in, and had to spend two days with him, and all this kind of stuff. So, and yeah, by the way, this is not my full-time position up here. I have a job just like you do. I go out, and I do stuff, and then I come back here, and we worship together on Sunday, and I do my best to tell you what the Word of God says. This week's been rough. Very difficult week. 
I've been stressed to the max, and I'm tired, and I'm just like, well, some friends of mine from Simple Church, God bless their souls, invited me on Saturday morning at 7 a.m. to go ride mountain bikes. Now, I thought, well, this would be a relaxing way to spend a Saturday morning, right? To go and just be one with nature and to get out there away from the hustle and bustle of the world and just ride mountain bikes up a mountain, right? This would be relaxing. If you're relaxing and up a mountain, do not belong in the same sense. Amen. So, yeah, I know, I know, yeah, I know, I'm gullible just like you are, don't judge me. <laughs> let's go, let's ride mountain bikes, all right, I'm in, so we go, and what, if you are on your way back home from riding mountain bikes, and you find yourself in the pharmacy section of Walmart, asking the pharmacist where they have those inflatable donuts <laughs> for your rear end, you do not have a lot of relaxing time on the mountain, okay? If your middle name has been changed to Epsom Salt, so you have not had a good time on the mountain. The good news is, though, that my loving, compassionate friends from Simple Church, um, I was alone with nature when they took off up the hill, and I was there by myself going, what am I doing? Where am I going? Uh, so I did get that part in. I did get to be alone with nature for a little while. Uh, but anyway, so I, I thought, man, this would be a great time for me to just rest, right? Yeah, not much rest there on Coldwater Mountain. Uh, in case you're wondering, so if anybody invites you to go and go mountain biking on a Saturday morning, just know what you're in for. Um, uh, a few calluses, a little bit of pain, a few scrapes, that sort of thing. So it's a very exciting experience, no doubt. But relaxing is not the way I would categorize it. Rough week at work, man. Things, I mean, and, and I just, I, I, I take a step back from my life and I look at things and I'm like, when Jesus really said, I'll give you rest, what does he really mean? What does he really mean? Because we went, not, not too long ago, we went to CFAT, Service and Faith and Technology, down in line. Well, we got to, I thought we were going to live like missionaries uh, for two days. So we were going to spend the night over there, we are going to live like missionaries, like you would live if you were in uh, Nigeria, or if you're in Haiti, or you're in the Philippines, or something. I thought we were going to kind of be like a missionary for a day or two, Right? Well, that's not exactly the way it turned out. It turns out we were going there to live like the indigenous people and live like they live and sleep in their huts and sleep on the ground and cook our own food and make our own fires and all this kind of stuff. And there was one thing that stuck out to me that the, that the, the, the guides there kept saying. He said, I want you to recognize these people don't see themselves as being unique. They don't see themselves... It's being in a place where, where they need to be like us. And I was like, I had to think on that. And that, that's really impressed upon my heart this past week. You know, what is it? What's he talking about? I think in our minds, we, we think that, that we need to make them like us, and then they'll be happy, right? Because we know that we Americans, because we can go down to Burger King and get a cheeseburger, we've really got it made, right? Because we don't have to cook every single night, and we can go out to Red Lobster or Logan's Roadhouse or... or, or, or uh, Shoney's or something, we can go, we can do those things that we really haven't made. And those people in the Philippines that live in those huts, they've got it rough, right? So what do we think in our minds? That we need, man, if they want to have the lack of luxury, they need to come and live like us. And we want to make them like us. Wrong. I, I told one of the, the guys in here, we were talking, I was like, we need to be sending missionaries from Haiti to come here. They need to send missionaries from Africa to come 
to Oxford, Alabama, or to Birmingham, Alabama, or to Mistake the Hills, Alabama, to really tell those people about Jesus. We need to stop sending missionaries over there, and they need to start sending missionaries over here. Because the problem is, we think that we got it made. We think that we've got everything going for us. Those people know what it's like to depend on God. We don't. We, we don't know what it's like. They understand what it means to be heavy laden and to be burdened. They know what it's like to have to hunt for your food or gather for your food. And they know what it's like to have to make your own fire and cook it over open flame. They know what that's like. We don't know what that's like. We have it so easy here in this world that I, I believe that we've forgotten about God. Just because we don't need it. There's no room for him. And then you have some people that come, well, Jesus is just a cherry on top. I just, I come and I get baptized and I follow Jesus and that'll be like just a cherry on top. And they, they don't recognize that Jesus is not just the thing you need to make your life complete, but he is everything that you need. And they have a true dependence on God. Not just, he's not just like the topping of the whipped cream that goes on top of the Sunday. It's not like, man, I get my life in order, I get my, my family straightened out, I get the right house, the right car, we get the right college fund going. It's not like you just take that stuff and you have Jesus on top. It's not like that. It's like you wipe everything else out and you say, Jesus, Jesus only, and whatever else comes is just, just icing on the cake. That's what simple church is about. We've got a website. I don't know if any of you have ever seen it before. You search for Simple Church, Oxford, Alabama, you'll probably find it. It's simply about Jesus.com. That's what this place is all about. It's simply about Jesus. There's so many places have made it about something else. It's not Jesus. Let's look at my Bible from Matthew chapter 11. I probably could just rant. Dude, I need to find the box. This is so comfortable. Stand up here. Matthew chapter 11, verse 25, it says this. At that time, Jesus prayed this prayer. O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, thank you for hiding these things from those who think themselves wise and clever for revealing them to the childlike. Yes, Father, it has pleased you to do it this way. My Father has entrusted everything to me, and no one truly knows the Son except the Father, and no one Truly knows the Father except the Son to those who the Son chooses to reveal Him. And Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your soul. You will find rest for your soul. You will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy to bear. The burden I give you is light. Some people, it sounds like Jesus is saying here that God only reveals himself to certain people. I don't believe that to be true. I believe if we look back in that verse, I believe it's saying to those who are childlike, he's shamed the wise, and he's hidden from those that think themselves to be wise. To not be in need of anything. That's the problem here in this world. The, the world that we live in. I, I don't think it's so much a problem in other third world countries where we have to uh, rely on gathering water out of the stream. I think it's a, it's a little bit more of a problem for us who drink water out of these. 
think we're the ones that, because we got it easy, because we got things made, that we consider ourselves wise. I don't need anything from God. I've got everything I need. Look, I've got air in my lungs, I've got water to drink, and I've got food to eat on the table. And it's all because I, I made a good living and I had a good job and I've worked hard. People are blinded. They're blinded by their own selfishness. They're blinded by their own pride. And, and they don't see the fact that everything that they've got comes from an almighty God, a creator of this universe, who not only knit you together in your mother's womb, but also gave you a path and a life to live out there that, that if you choose to live in that, it'll be one that pleases God in heaven. That every single step that we take is because he has laid it out there ahead of us. And so many people are thinking, well, the reason I've got it so made is because I've done so well in my life. You know, this is what I hope for you guys. And, and I've, I've had experiences myself, so I, that's the reason I, I hope it for you is and I, it's because I speak from experience. And I hope you don't have to lose everything to understand that Christ, Christ is everything. I hope that, that your child doesn't have to die and you don't have to lose your job. And I hope that you, you don't have to, to endure incredible suffering and pain and heartaches and, and all that kind of stuff in order for you to recognize that Jesus Christ is the source of everything that you need. I hope that doesn't happen. I hope that, but I don't pray that. I hope that, but I don't pray that. See, my prayer is that God will do whatever it takes, even if that means taking everything away from you, for you to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, because that's the most that's the most important thing. I, I mean, I hate to see it. I see, I see people struggling and people hurting and, and people who have family members die and all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, I just hope that they can see your glory in it all. I just hope in some small way this is planted a seed in their heart for them to recognize that they may not have long on this earth. They may not have much time to go before that may be them. And they may be stepping from this life on into eternity. And I hope that because of that, they will come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. They won't stay blinded by themselves and their own pride. Anymore. And that's tough. That's tough. I, I sit across from a guy uh, who uh, I love here dearly. He was uh, openly homosexual. And I told him, I said, man, I said, I love you. I hope that you don't die. And my prayer is that. God has to bring you to the very brink of death before you recognize the fact that you need Jesus Christ before you need anything else. And that's what happens in your life. He knew I loved him, so he couldn't deny that. And he just broke me in two because I looked at him in the eye and I said, I hope that God does whatever it takes in your life, even if that means bringing you to the very brink of death, that God would do that since you come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. place that we live in. It's hard. It's hard. And it's not hard because the world is hard. It's hard because we, we've made it into something that, that God never intended for us to make it into. We've made it about ourselves. We've made it about what we can do and all the things that we have done. And really, it's all about what He has done and who He is. And that's what simple church is about. It's simply about Jesus. Simply about Jesus. Look what he says. He says, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. What does he mean by yoke? So, 
I wasn't raised on a farm, so I don't know a whole lot about this, but apparently they're like oxen, which I, it's like a big cow, right? Oxen. Oxen wear these things around their neck. It's like a yoke so they can pull the plow. I've never been on the back of an oxen or behind a plow or any of that kind of stuff, so I don't speak from experience. But my understanding is the way that it works is that the yoke is around the neck of the oxen, and then there's a plow attached to them, and it digs into the ground, right? So it, it, it pulls back on the, on the oxen because it's like digging into the ground as it's to make trenches so they can plant stuff, right? That's the purpose, so they can plant stuff. And it's hard. It's hard for that animal to pull that plow. And so many people, I see them in life, man, it looks like they're just overwhelmed by life. I mean, you see them literally walking around like this, right? That's the way they look like they're going through life because they're just overwhelmed by the things in this world, overwhelmed by everything. Jesus said, that's the kind of person I want to become. That's that's the kind of person I I want in my kingdom. That's the kind of person who recognizes that the need it's the kind of person who is humble before me. See, I don't know the way to gently put this. People that don't think they need Jesus don't need Jesus. I know that sounds crazy. People that think that they don't need Jesus, they don't room for Jesus, Jesus allows you to stay in that position, allows you to stay there. He allows you to go ahead and be consumed with self and consumed with everything that you think you've got going on. And you just stay in this drudgery of this life. The people that approach God with humility, with a childlike humility, that's why it says, reveal those to those who are childlike. What does a child, what does a child have to do with them? Jesus says, suffer not the little children, but them come unto me for such is the kingdom of heaven. What's a child got to do with it? You know, a child is like a person who approaches the kingdom of heaven in desperate need. Desperate need in total dependence. You think about a two-year-old. They can't very well do much on their own. They can't go out to Burger King. They can't go out and, and, and make their own food or plow their own garden or harvest tomatoes and all that kind of stuff. They can't very well do that. They're completely dependent on their parents to do that stuff for them. That's how God desires for us to be towards Him and His kingdom. Our Heavenly Father, He desires for us to be like children, to come to Him and say, God, I desperately need You. This this world is heavy. The the world is crushing down on me. And once you get to the point where you fall down on your knees in desperate, desperate need of a Heavenly Father, and you come to Christ in humility, Say, God, I know that I've been trying to pull the plow on my own. I've been trying to do it my own way for so long. God, I need you. God says, that's exactly where I wanted you to be. That's exactly the place I hope that you would get to so that you could come and I could I could bring you into my kingdom. I could set you free and you could take the chains off. The bodies can be gone and you could just say yes to Jesus and know everything else. What does he say? He says, look at what he says. He says, for my yoke is easy to bear. My yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. Some people say, man, 
this whole thing with going out and witnessing to people or going to Haiti and, and going to Africa and going to these places to tell people about Jesus, that seems like a heavy burden. It seems like it's very difficult to do those things and I have to get all this money together. Oh man, compared to having to go through life without Jesus, compared to having to go through this world on my own, trying to accomplish everything on my own with no rest for my soul. Oh my goodness, I would, I would take that any day of the week to go live in some place in Africa where there's no running water and just say, dependence is on Jesus every single day. That burden is life compared to somebody that stays in this place and drinks a bottle of water and has no place for Jesus in their life because they think they've got it all made. What a simple church. Hopefully it's a it's, it's a group of people that are, that are tired and they're weary and they're heavy laden. They've taken the yoke of Jesus upon them so that now they recognize, man, this is life. You know, it, there's, there's a couple of different things people say to me, but there's, there's one thing that, that people say to me more than anything, and it's not, man, that was a powerful message. I appreciate that. Uh, there's one thing that, that, that people say to me quite frequently. It's some of you don't feel guilty if you said this. It's okay. It's true. They look at me on a Sunday morning and go, you look tired. The one comment I hear more than any other is, are you okay? You look tired. Yes, I am tired. 99% of the time, I am tired. I don't sleep well. I have puffy eyes because I look tired because I am tired. Okay? I try stupid things like pedaling up a mountain and I'm tired a lot of times. Okay? We're tired. You know what? I may be tired physically, and I may be worn out, and I may come in here at 5.30 and do stuff around the church and all that, but my soul, man, it is resting. It is, I am just overwhelmed to be able to take on the responsibility of being able to preach God's Word, and how humbling that is to be able to have that responsibility, to, to be able to take God's Word and tell you guys what it says, and, and be able to try to disciple people, and I'm like, man, my, my flesh may be weak, but my spirit is really, you know? I, my, my soul is overwhelmed with the fact that I get this amazing responsibility for making disciples of Jesus Christ. And I don't care about being tired. I don't care how much I, I labor and how much backbreaking work I do and the three bottles of water and ice chest full of ice. I don't care, man. I am overwhelmed with the my soul is rested. And it's not just rested for the next 20 minutes, 2 hours, 2 weeks, 2 years, 20 years. For all of eternity, my soul is rested. I don't have to worry about eternity. I mean, people that go through their lives and worry worried about eternity because they won't come down and say yes to Jesus. I don't care. That would drive me crazy. They sit there in, in messages and they speak the Holy Spirit of God speaking to them and tell them, man, you need to give your life to Christ. And they say, no, no, I'd rather keep on worrying. I'd rather be all tied up in knots in my stomach, worried about eternity. I don't get that. Pride must be a very powerful thing for a lot of people. But man, they'll, they'll just stay in the situation they're in and just be miserable. I'm like, man, oh, oh, Jesus, give your soul rest. His burden, his life, his yoke is easy. Gotta tell people that, folks. I mean, we gotta tell people that, that, that what they're living in right now is torture. 
compared to what they could be in, in the restful peace of Jesus Christ. We're going to reach people with that message. That's just what the church is about. It's not a place of rest. Rest in your soul. If you come here in humility before God and say, yes, God, I need you above all else. And it is restful. And we need to reach people with that. We need to reach people with that. If you're here and you don't know Jesus, if you don't have a relationship with him, because God is just keep you alive and continues you and God has opened your, your eyes to the fact that you Jesus comes above all else. And that's the only way your soul is going to have a relationship with him. If your life is overwhelmed because you are a Christian and you live in this world and you just need God to remind you that there is an eternity for you, that, that you don't have to be consumed by the things of this world, that God needs me to set me free from the burden of this world so I can get focused on I invite you to come and just pray. There may be somebody you don't know that may lay a hand on you and pray for you. And that may happen, and that's good. And if God convicts you to go lay a hand on somebody and pray for them, they'll do that. But I know this. Whether you're a Christian or not a Christian, the world's heavy. The world's difficult. The burdens are very heavy in this place. The yoke is very heavy. God's yoke is in burden of life. You come to him. You come to him. Maybe you know somebody that they're lost in their sin and have no relationship with Jesus. You come and pray for them. Pray that their burden be taken away. However, God, the Holy Spirit leads you to, to come. I just pray that you be responsible. Father, thank you, God, for this word. Lord, thank you so much for the fact that Jesus' burden is light and his yoke is easy. Lord, I know how difficult this world is. I've been in this world. I've got a job, I've got a family. Child, Lord, I know it's difficult to be and it's strange to be and just getting up and getting ready for me. But I also know that in the midst of all that, and even though some nights I don't sleep very well, Lord, my soul is at rest because I'm heavy trying to be with you. And too many times uh, I've gotten that focus away from this thing on what burdens in this world can see me. I pray, Lord, you just remind me of two burdens that I give you up with you. Are there people here that don't know you? I know that. Are there people here that don't have a relationship with you? Pray for that person. Pray. God, that you come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. You come to say yes to Jesus. Even though they may not know what all that means, and just come and say, hey, I need you. Lord, I pray that you would rest in your life. Lord, thank you so much for your love and your grace and your mercy. so much for that life. You can always fall at your cross and say, God, I need you to remind me. I need you to remind me just how good you are and how close you are to my life. Whenever people hear any of them, I pray that they respond as you move in their life. 